Let's cut through the mainstream financial advice out there. This is your quick financial tip from your rich uncle. And this is what's cool about real estate. Right? One of the reasons why I like it so much is because you get leverage on the asset. Yes, we only put down 20%, but we get to eat all the, the gains on the whole entire property. Hey folks, today we are going to be going over the four ways you make money through real estate. And these, this is pretty much the reason why I invest in real estate and I get got out of the stock market and all those types of investments. And if you stay to the end, we'll also review three bonus ways that we also make money that has been added into this video to kind of show you like, you know, why you want to invest in commercial assets as opposed to just rental real estate. But you know, this is where I kind of learned early on when, when I was, I think in my early twenties, buying my first rental property up in Seattle, Washington. Again, that's not a place we typically buy properties these days. We try and stay away from primary markets where rent to value ratios are over 1% so that we can get, we can cash flow. And the reason why cash flow is so important is because if there's any kind of recession, we hold on to the asset and we don't lose any money doing it that way. Because Warren Buffett says number one rule of investing is not losing any money. So when I was first investing in real estate, I realized I made 20 to 30% returns on my money. And I looked at my, my 401k stuff and I was making eight to 10% there. And I was like, W2F, right? Like who stole all my money? What happened here? Well, I think a lot of you guys are probably thinking, well, how are you getting 20 to 30% plus returns on my money? And I'm gonna show you it right here. Why am I investing in rental real estate? So these are the four ways we're making money in rental real estate. The first one is cash flow. Second one is the tenants are paying down your mortgage for you. And this is the key difference when you're buying a house on your own to live in, right? You're the sucker paying down your mortgage. When you have rental real estate, your tenants pay it down for you with their heart, sweat and tears. And every time they pay down your mortgage, a little bit of that is going to your payment to principal. Yes, a lot of it is going to interest, but we'll get into the numbers here in a little bit. Thirdly are all the tax breaks that you get with rental real estate. Now we're not gonna get too much into this today, but I would suggest to go to simplepassivecashflow.com tax and kind of see all the cool ways, especially when you're higher net worth, you into syndication deals that do cost segregations. Now you're able to do a lot more tricks and with your taxes. But just for this straightforward example here, we're gonna show you how we offset a lot of the gains and that kind of goes into the equation of, into the added percentage gains of our returns. And lastly, appreciation. As cash flow investors, we don't really count on the price of, of the properties. You know, we're mainly in it to cash flow. Um, but hey, if it happens, awesome, right? To us, it's icing on top of the cake. And this is very different from most amateur investors out there that buy a house in say the Bay Area. They buy it for $800,000 and maybe the next week it's worth 850. Well, what I say to that is easy come, easy go. Appreciation is kind of a gambler's game. You know, especially when you don't do any work and effort, you know, easy come, easy goes in the next recession, it's gone and then you're underwater there. All right, so we're gonna set this example up here and I've got my calculator here to help me do the quick math. Every time I do this, I use a little bit different number. So apologize if some of the numbers aren't exactly uh, super clean, but you know, 
the, the prototypical first investment that we have a lot of people do, or what I did, was a turnkey rental, right? A lot of times you can buy properties, fix it up, do that burr method, but we, I highly suggest not doing that, especially if you're a high paid professional, you've got some money, but you're short on time. Yeah, you can make a lot of money doing that stuff, but it is risky and I would, wouldn't probably advise doing it until you have a rental or two under your belt first. A turnkey rental is something that anybody can do starting out. Um, what I would do is also check out our remote investor e-course. Um, I have a light version for free for you guys. Check out my uh, website, sign up at simplepassacashflow.com slash light to get free access to that. So let's just say, let's buying a $100,000 house that rents for $1,000 a month, which is pretty typical once you get pretty good at finding, you know, pretty decent rental property deals out there. Nothing amazing, nothing too bad, kind of right in the middle. And it's really easy for us to, you know, manipulate the numbers for this little um, math, this math exercise here. So on this $100,000 house, you're typically going to need to put down 20% down payment. So 20% on $100,000 is a, you're gonna need $20,000. That's your initial investment. And that's what we're going to use as the denominator for a lot of our returns, because the return on investment is essentially how much money you made divided by the denominator, which is the, how much money you had in the deal, which is $20,000. So if you're cash flowing, um, on this property using this 50% rule that a lot of people like to use to be conservative, which says if you're bringing in a thousand dollars a month as revenue, you're typically going to be putting out half of that 50% to expenses, repairs, maintenance, third party property management, which is a key because, you know, we're busy. We want to outsource this stuff to professionals, especially when you're doing this remotely. I don't know how to do an eviction. I probably have had hundreds of evictions that I've processed through properties I've owned, but I've never personally done it because every time we use third party professional property managers, we also do that. Um, not only for the obvious reasons of litigation, liability, um, but you know, this is the way to scale. And this is what separates the difference between somebody who owns a property or two and somebody who can scale to dozens and dozens of rental properties and get financially free that way. So a lot of times I tell people, you know, on a turnkey rental, you're probably going to cash flow maybe 200 bucks at the end of the month. Um, again, you know, with half of the thousand dollars going to repairs, maintenance, capex, rainy day fund, vacancy, property management, and then you need to pay your principal interest taxes insurance or in other known as your mortgage payment, you're going to have a couple hundred bucks of cash flow at the end of the month. Uh, and you know, you guys probably think that there's probably more, but we're trying to be conservative here in this estimation. So $200 a month. And that is going to be times 12. So that's going to be $2,400 a year. So the math goes like this, $2,400 divided by how much money did you have in the down payment? So 20,000. And that is equal to 12%. That alone right there is greater than what you're getting in the eight to 10%. So at this point, we should probably just stop the video because this is greater than what's in the stock market in a hard asset that you control and that this cash flow is only going to be going up over the, the life of the loan. 
Um, but let's let's continue on, right? Because at after this point, it's all gravy. We're just going to accumulate to this 12%. Next is principal pay down. So you, when you're starting with these properties, you know I'm going to estimate in my head that principal interest taxes, insurance, mortgage payments going to be about four or five hundred dollars a month. Most of that's going to be going to the bank as interest. And of that, I would probably estimate that about $100 of that in the beginning is going to be going down to your payment to principal. And that's essentially going to be building up for you as equity as you start to pay down your loan. In the beginning, it's very small, you know, one fourth of your, your mortgage payment. But as time goes along, of course, this increases. But for now, let's just go with the most conservative number for now. So again, out of your principal payment, of $500 a month, only $100 probably goes to your payment to principal. And therefore, now you're making $1,200 a year. Same equation here, take how much money you made divided by 20K as your denominator. And that is going to be equal to 6%. So already you go 12% plus 6%, we're already at 18%. Let's keep going. Now tax benefits. On this property, you're, you're going to be able to depreciate the property improvement by 27 year, in 27 years. So 127th the property value. So let's just go, the, again, the property value of this thing is $100,000. In a lot of cases, 60 to 70% of the property value is the building improvement. Now this might be different in high price areas like Seattle, California, Hawaii, where you might be looking at less than half of the market value going contributed to the building improvement portion. But in a lot of these areas like you know Texas, Alabama, Arizona, Florida, places like that, the land isn't as big of a ratio than it is in the, a lot of the places that we're used to living. So just for this estimation, let's just go with the estimation that, you know, for this property, it's $60,000 is the building improvement. I'm going to divide that number by 27 years to get me the number that I can deduct off my taxes as paper losses or depreciation. So that number is 222 per year. Now, this is not a tax credit. It's not a deduction off your, your taxable debt, but it's a deduction that you can deduct off your income. So everybody's in different income levels. So a lot of people might be in the $100,000 adjusted gross income range or less. That's where I was when I initially started to invest in real estate. For a lot of you guys, you guys might be paying anywhere from 20 to 25% tax rate. So let's just go with 25% because it's a nice clean number. So the way I'm doing my math here is you're going to have this deduction off your adjusted gross income at 25% of that is approximately $555 of tax savings per year. And you divide that by $20,000. Now this isn't, this is a very small part of the, the gains, but you know, we always add it in here. So that's about like 2.7%. The next thing is appreciation, and this is probably the most volatile of all. You know, things go up in price, things go down in price, but in typically across the country, home values go up two to three percent per year. 
let's just say 2% because they're typically investing in areas that don't skyrocket in price. They're more, instead of more like bipolar type of environments where you know you have big spikes and big crashes like California, a lot of these high, high price areas, a lot of places that we invest in, they're a little bit more um, slow, slow over appreciation and what we call less cyclical states. Cyclical meaning it goes up and down. We call these more linear type of progression of, um, of values. So I'm gonna use the estimation of 2% uh, property increasing every year. So on a $100,000 property, 2% is approximately $2,000 even though we're only had 20%. And this is a cool part about owning real estate when you're using other people's money, such as Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, government-sponsored loans. So here we made $2,000 on the $20,000. Um, same equation we were doing back then. $2,000 to buy 20 grand. Now that is another 10% of gains. So here's the cool part, right? What we're doing here is we're adding up this number, this number, this number, and this number. 12 plus six plus 2.7 plus 10. And that is 30.7% gains. And I'd like to think that, you know, the appreciation, we could have easily bumped that up to 3%. The uh, tax benefits, you might've been in a higher income bracket and that tax benefits would probably be greater for you too. Um, principal pay, pay down, I mean, over the years, it's gonna go higher. And the cash flow, I mean, one thing that doesn't really go down are rents. And we've seen that through the pandemic and other environments. Rents do, guys. I mean, if you're a renter, rent is gonna keep going up and up and up. So you add all this up, and now you're talking about 30.7%. Now, why would I want to put my money into any kind of stocks, mutual funds, making eight to 10%? And this is where in my 20s, I was like, the heck was happening, right? Why would I want to do that? Why does everybody put their money blindly in the retail investing market? Well, all these companies got in cahoots with the government to get all your 401k money in there. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but as far as I'm concerned, if something's going to give me 30% returns on my money, I'm gonna do that. But the problem here is, you know, educating yourself, um, you know, buying a rental property, it's not easy, but it is simple. Again, check out the e-course to kind of learn more about that. But now we're gonna add on the three other bonus ways we also make money with all this. All right, so flipping the board over, we talked about, you know, 30% returns your money greater than, you know, what you're getting out there in the retail investing market. But there's three things that's really hard to quantify that gets us even more returns. And when you invest, you get out of rental properties and you start to get into more commercial assets, you know, this is where your returns really go up. But before I get there, you know, inflation is a big thing here. And this is really hard to quantify because there's a lot of phantom stats on what inflation really is. The government would like you to believe that it's anywhere from two to three percent. But I think a lot of us have seen our dollar kind of devalued over time. I mean, just look at the basic commodities such as like, you know, your gasoline, your house, um, just basic commodities. I would say the one thing that doesn't really feel like it is like technology items. And that's just because of Moore's law and how commuting speed gets faster and faster and faster. 
But, you know, like, the, why is inflation such a big thing? The government's printing money like there's no tomorrow. How is the government going to pay for all these government entitlement programs? Well, the one way that they're going to be doing that is raising taxes. And that makes people upset. When people are upset, they stop voting for their politicians. And they can only push up taxes so much before people really start to get pissed off. The second biggest way that they can raise extra money is to go into debt, print all this money, but then devalue the debt over time by inflating the money supply. And this is actually really smart. And this is what sophisticated banks and governments do. Unfortunately, you guys listening out there have it in their heads where debt is really bad. Right? We're all taught we don't want to be a slave to anybody. We don't owe money. But financially sophisticated people go into debt where they buy assets such as real estate so they can pay their debt service and they just wait over time for the inflation to erode that their debt. So what I'm saying here is by picking up a 30-year mortgage or um, any mortgage that holds a good asset like real estate is probably the, one of the best things you can do to hedge yourself against inflation coming. In other words, if you don't have debt to your name, good debt, right? Not including all the bad consumer debt out there, like credit cards, car loans, such as that. Um, you're going to be, you're going to, your, your wealth is eroding over time. And this is unfortunate. A lot of older people, they have paid off houses. They are not, they, their wealth is just decaying over time as inflation engulfs them. So what you're doing when you buy this, when you buy this rental property, again, going back to the, the past example, at 20% down payment, you're taking out an $80,000 loan. Over time, 20, 30 years, that $80,000 is gonna be absolutely nothing at that point. Um, forget the fact that you're paying it off, right? Even if you didn't pay off, you paid it off at an interest-free um, type of loan or a, a principal-only loan or no principal loan, um, you're going to be having that, that $80,000 is going to feel like nothing in 10, 20, 30 years from now. So that's, again, really hard to quantify. Um, if I was going to quantify using the same metrics as we did on the other side, I'd probably, you know, say, I'd probably use an inflation model of 2%, right? Even though I could probably make the argument that inflation is really going up 4, 5, 6% every year. So, you know, 2% on $80,000 that's 1600 bucks a year. Now $1,600 divided by that $20,000 initial investment is another 8% return on investment that I'd probably add to that number. Now, a lot of you guys who are like reading these like podcasts and watching these videos might make an argument, cool. Put a comment below, right? Let's get into a conversation here. Um, hopefully you guys have rental real estate and you guys aren't another one of these guys that just comment a lot on YouTube videos and never take action, right? Um, the next thing that I wanted to kind of go over as another hidden bonus of buying rental real estate and being the, the beneficiary of that is buying low sell high. You know, when you're a turnkey rental owner, you know, a lot of times you're buying right at the retail price, which sucks. Um, which is why we like to buy assets that are out of the grasp of unsophisticated mom and pop investors 
This is why we like to stay above 50 to 100 units or above, ideally in two to 300 unit apartment complex because there's not too much of competition in that kind of stratosphere. And a lot of times we can buy properties for anywhere from 5% discount, which doesn't sound like much, but when you're talking 100, 200, 300 units, that built-in discount you know, comes directly to our bottom line. I'm not gonna put that there. You know, now you're kind of talking a little bit about fantasy numbers in terms of return on investments, but you know, ideally that, that that's what you want to be doing, right? And that's just that's just gravy on, all on top of this. The last way that we wanted I wanted to kind of bring to your guys' attention, yeah, we talked about appreciation on the other slide. The natural pace of inflation that kind of pushes up prices of properties. Now there's two types of appreciation market appreciation and force appreciation. Market appreciation is dumb luck. That's like your unsophisticated friend who just bought a house the other day and now he's saying, telling everybody it's worth 10% more. What we're talking about is force appreciation. What we do is we rehab units and we bump the price of the rents up. In commercial real estate, the price of the property is dictated by the net operating income and divided by the current prevailing cap rate. Let's just go by a 5% cap for a class B apartment in a major market. And this is what the property will sell for or the property is should appraise for. In residential real estate, a lot of the times it's based on emotion. You know, the buyer, buy the demand versus supply um, phenomenon, what your house, what the house, the neighbor's house sold for in the area. Um, there's not based on numbers. And this is why I like commercial properties as opposed to residential properties. But with residential properties, you know, you, as you guys know, you guys can rehab properties for flip properties, which we don't like to do here at Simple Passive Cashflow because it's a little bit too much work and there's just too much competition with so many amateur uh, flippers out there trying to push buy properties too high and trying to, and they're just not sophisticated enough and taking all the good contractors out there. But with commercial real estate, you know, what we like to do is we like to go in with a little bit of facelift, new flooring, new appliances, new countertops, um, maybe some playground equipment, some power washing, um, some new flowers in the flower beds, nothing crazy, nothing like a twenty, thirty thousand dollar plus rehab or bigger. Like we're usually in the four to six thousand dollar per unit range, and the reason why it's so it's so little bit is you know we're doing it on large economies of scales, hundred, two hundred plus units. And what we're doing is we're making that little improvement and therefore we're able to bump up the rents a little bit, anywhere from five to 15%. So if I'm able to raise the price of the rents by 10%, effectively what I've done is raise the price of the net operating income, which is the income minus expenses. Um, say I have a property that rents for $1,000 a month. If I increase the price of the, the rents by 10%, which is $100 a month, on let's just say 100 unit. $100 a month times 100 unit. And granted, this is not gonna be overnight. This will typically take maybe two to three years to happen. I've effectively created $10,000 of extra net operating income per month. So what I wanna do is multiply that by 12 and I get 
$120,000 in net extra net operating income per year. And I plug that into the equation here. 120K goes here. Divide that by a cap rate of five. And what I've done is I've appreciated this 100 unit building by $2.4 million. And that is forced appreciation. That is not market appreciation. Maybe if the market got stronger, we, you add that on top of that right there. You know, forced appreciation, why I like it is in two big things. It's you're creating value, you're taking faith in your own hand. You're not just relying on the market. If the market goes backwards and retracts, well, a lot of times, I mean, you just created $2.4 million of value right there. I mean, that's probably gonna be a lot more than a market, especially a stabilized asset can go down in value. Um, the other reason why is, you know, quite frankly, like that's what a real business done. A real business adds value. It improves the product. A lot of people talk about buying and selling things on Amazon, selling stocks, short calls, all this type of stuff. But to me, it's like, it's not a legitimate business because it doesn't improve things for other people. It doesn't add value to the system. We're, what we're doing here is we're rehabbing units, increasing the value of the properties incrementally so tenants pay a little bit more, right? And that's where we're getting this net operating income boost. And something I've learned from a lot of high net worth people is, you know, wealth comes to those people who create value. There are people who trade money and can make a little bit of money here or there, but sustainable wealth comes to those people who create value. So again, you know, I think we go back to, if you guys are looking at buying a rental property, Pay attention to the, the numbers on the first page, you know, 30% returns on your money. I mean, compare that with the stock market, something that goes up and down very cyclically. I, what I would do is go to my guide um, to buying rental property, simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey to kind of learn about there. If you guys are higher in net worth into the commercial real estate investing, check out simplepassivecashflow.com slash syndication. If you guys have any questions on these numbers, you guys want to get into a little argument, Put a comment down below and if you guys got any value out of this click the like button and we'll see you guys next time if you guys are probably wondering what's on my shirt pcpo which stands for passive cash flow pays off and it does see you guys next time bye Lane is not a lawyer CPA, but the dude did quit his engineering job and now owns thousands of rental properties. Learn more about the secrets of the wealthy. Join our community at thewealthelevator.com club. And if you're looking for a longer form podcast, also subscribe to the Wealth Elevator podcast.